There are certain players in the NFL that every year kick everybody's ass, but for some reason goes the, that keyword underrated. And I believe I'm joined with the most underrated player in the NFL, a man who last year in an offense that apparently didn't do well, caught 98 balls for over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns, so he didn't have a down year. Give it up for Allen frickin' Robinson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, let me see how Allen did last year. 98 catches in, like, it was a down year for you guys. I, 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 are you hearing, like, what do you hear about yourself in terms of where you stack up and where do you stack up for yourself? <laughs> I hear a lot of different things. You know, I think, I think for myself, you know, I think I stack up against the top receivers in the league. You know, I think that, um, again, for me, I guess it's kind of like, um, maybe from a number standpoint, from a lot of people, cause you know, the, the consistency may not have, have been there, but you know, to my, to credit, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot, you know, um, not a lot throughout my career, but you know, I think for me, after I went to the Pro Bowl in the second year, I think that third year, um, personally, I think I was a much better player. Uh, statistically, it didn't show, you know, and again, I did that. I mean, that wasn't solely on me. I know that for a fact, you know, oh, and then the year after that, let, let I me, get injured. I want to say something. I looked at your stats because I was like, man, this guy's career has been insane so far in terms of when you're healthy, you've put up numbers. I would say the only reason you put up numbers those other years was from like the ACL and the foot. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and again, it's so funny because I kind of joke with everybody. I think even more than the contract part of it, I was so mad. I, I tore my ACL, my contract. You're just off a simple year of missing a whole season full of stats. You know, I think from a career standpoint, you know, when when I stack up against other receivers, you know, for myself, you know, I'm a, I'm a whole year, you know, uh, of stats that I missed, you know. So I think it does also a big deal. But, you know, just kind of looking at my career, I think that when I've been on the field, you know, and, and then when I've been on the field healthy and things like that, you know, I make plays. Like I said before, the year after my Pro Bowl year, my third season, we fired offensive coordinator, I think five or six games into the season, fired our head coach week 13 that year had an interim offensive coordinator, had an interim head coach. And so it was a lot of different things. And even like a year like that in my third season, you know, that kind of went to play with a lot. You know, it's kind of hard to play consistent football, you know, with so much turnover and things like that within the organization in a season. All right, we jumped into this way too strong. I'm sorry. It's mainly because um, I'm passionate because what I realized with you, man, is not just that you're underrated. I think that you have had one of the most interesting journeys in football so far. What I mean is, and I'm going to tell the story for people that don't know this, Alan Robinson, I did an awful job of introducing him just now because hmm. I got too excited. But this is a guy that's at Penn State. There's like five injuries in front of him. So you're thrust into playing out of nowhere and you're playing for freaking Joe Paterno. All of that craziness happens. In comes Bill O'Brien. And like now that Bill O'Brien's like the head of the Texans that has so much <clears> more context, you go out there, you catch like the pass against Michigan to give yourselves like a winning season. All, you're playing with Christian Hackenberg. Then you go to Jacksonville. You go in there with Alan Hearns. It's like this dynamic duo where like Blake Bortles comes out of nowhere and like, for like the last eight games of the year, you're like, oh, it's the fourth quarter. I'm going to throw up an extra hundred yards and a touchdown <laughs> real quick. You're playing with Doug Marone. And then like ACL, you go to Chicago 
And in Chicago, it's like Mitchell Trubisky in this new Nagy offense. And in the playoff game against the Eagles, go 10 catches, 143, and a touchdown. Most receiving yards, most receptions in Chicago Bears history. And then come back, and the team has a down year, and you put up 98 catches. And then the reason that's so interesting, I'm just letting it all out there right now. The reason it's interesting to me is you were in this wide receiver draft where every other motherfucker is talked about from Sammy Watkins to Odell Beckham, to Brandon cooks, to all of these guys. And you have played in the NFL. Your quarterbacks have been predominantly Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. And I'm just sitting here going, I think Allen Robinson's about to punch us in the face in five years (laughs) when his stats are insane. And we look back, like, I think you've had one of the most crazy rides. Yeah. You know, it's been, um, and again, you know, um, to just kind of just to kind of speak about myself, you know, I think that again, when you look at that overall class, you know, it is a lot of talent in there. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't honestly be be remiss, you know, for it to not be, you know, uh, being the being the argument of those guys, you know, with your Jarvis Landry's, your Odell's, Mike Evans, uh, Brandon Cooks at the time, Kelvin Benjamin, Sammy Watkins, you know. So, I mean, we did have a great group, you know, and I think that's kind of what kind of you know, it's something that plays a part in it as well. But, you know, I think to the respect of everybody else, you know, we all kind of have, have done our thing just a little bit different, you know. Um, and, again, I don't think that you can take anything away from those guys. I just feel like for myself, you know, when it comes to, comes to some of the top receivers and things like that, you know, I think I stack up well against those guys. I just think that it's just a difference, you know. I think that now, you know, um, and again, uh, some guys, you know, stepped into stepped into big markets and and things like that, you know. So I, I think in in Jacksonville, the thing with us was, you know, it was it was Jacksonville, you know. So at the time, you know, when we were playing well and things like that, we weren't getting as much love, you know. And then for me, I kind of not, I, I was a year away from football via injury, you know, which again, which I kind of had to step back into it once I got back to Chicago, you know, and. And right now, in lower last season, kick it back up, you know. So, again, it's been a it's been a very exciting journey, you know. And I and I love where I'm at, you know, with everything, and you know, just trying to continue to to uh, improve on what I did last year, you know. Like I said before, from my from football standpoint, you know, I told everybody, you know, even after my uh, ACL injury, you know, when I got hurt that year, you know, I knew that my best football was still ahead of me, you know. And I think that still uh, still stands right now. You know, I think I had a pretty good year last year. You know, it's funny, I had over 1,100 yards. I had two catches of 50-plus yards that were actually called back last season. One against Minnesota that I think went for like 55, and then one against uh, the Giants, I believe, that went for 67, I believe. I had two of those called back, you know. So, again, that would have put me at almost 1,300 yards, you know. So, for me, you know, I'm I'm definitely right there on the doorstep, you know, and knocking on the door for everybody to – to really see and recognize the player that I am. You know, dude, but it's yeah, better to really... be where you are. Like Most I, definitely, you know. Because uh, I've always felt this way about really Heisman Trophy. The dude that's predicted to win at the beginning of the year doesn't get it because everyone's expecting too much. So let him wait. And then in year eight, when we look at the numbers and go, man, Robinson, keep, you know, like I, I look at definitely. you as like a long-term stock. You know what I Most mean? Most definitely. Most definitely. Like I said, you know, for me, I know that my best football is, is still ahead of me. You know, it's just for me, I think the unfortunate part of it was as I still was kind of climbing to that point, you know, between my third and my third year and then my fourth year tearing my ACL and then come up with ACL injury. I think for me, that's what just kind of 
not I'm not gonna say slow, but slightly delayed the process, you know. But seeing, but like like last season, seeing where I was at, you know, what I mean, again, I'm I'm right where I would say um, projecting to be at as a as a receiver, you know. Somebody asked me, you know, year six, if you were to have you know almost 1,200 yards, 98 catches, and seven touchdowns, you know, I would have told them, you know, uh, at year two, year three, you know, that's that's right on pace where I should be at, you know, and just trying to continue to, to stay around, to stay around that area, you know, um, definitely improve it, you know, but, but for sure for that to be kind of like, you know, the, the floor of, of where I want to be at. So that means that I'm hearing you want to be more of a 120, 1510 guy. For sure. For sure. Like what are the, for sure. not predicting numbers, but like I look at you and I see a lot of like Brandon Marshall, in terms yeah. of, oh, you can see the size and he can post you up, but like he could take you on a slant 65. So Definitely. I'm curious, like what's, what's like a, I don't have to look up what Brandon Marshall's stats were, but like what, what is a stat range that you go, that's what I'm capable of? Yeah, um, I think anywhere from, you know, um, I think I'm a hundred plus catch guy, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, where I normally average at as far as yards per catch is around, 12 to 14 is normally where I'm at, you know? So if I catch a hundred balls, that'll put me anywhere from 1200 to 1400 yards, you know? So that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I really look at, you know, what I do based on, you know, my averages and, and things like that. You know, I'm actually really glad that, um, that I didn't catch 400 catches last year, you know, um, that I was right there at, at, at 98. You're glad? Yeah, I'm glad. You know I mean? It, it would have been cool to catch for, to catch for a hundred, uh, in year six or whatever you know, but definitely this that's that that's for sure where I want to be at is you know I want to be at I'm hundred catches. You know, I think that I think that is sitting with me a little bit differently than it may have if I had hundred catches last year. Extra motivation. I like that shit. Well, okay, so when I went back and I looked up and I was like, Oh yeah, Penn State, oh yeah, he was there at the end of the Joe Paterno thing. What's so interesting is the big controversy in the NFL is a quarterback controversy. Is he good? Is he not? Let's debate it all the fucking time. So it's curious because you were at Penn State when like the ultimate distraction was happening. Like that Joe Pa story was all consuming. And I'm curious, how has that helped you in terms of the NFL, in terms of like processing things and dealing with things? Um, honestly, that probably, not probably, that was the craziest, you know, uh, experience for me. Um, not only in football, but just in my life that I had experienced, you know, it was a lot going on. You know, I look back at it sometimes even now, you know, and just kind of looking at, looking at, you know, how that all kind of unfolded, you know, and in my career and things like that. But honestly, I think coming into the league, I think that hurt me a lot. You know, um, mm. I think that I spent three years in college, you know, playing for nothing and playing for nothing, but, you know, statistical game for myself. You know, I think when I came into the league, I still kind of had that mindset. You know, I think it's different when you kind of have that mindset versus a versus a winning mindset. You know, I think it's different. You know, I'm not to say that you know it's uh, you know that I still know. You know, I yes, I do ultimately want to have personal success. You know, definitely. But I, I know that if I'm a part of winning success, I know that it, it goes hand in hand. You know, so I think that that's something that definitely. Um, started to switch gears for me towards the end of my tenure in Jacksonville, you know, cause I stepped into, I, I came from a school where, you know, again, we didn't play for anything because we were sanctioned and things like that. You know, then I stepped into an organization where we weren't in playoff contention or anything like that, you know, but I mean, for myself, I was playing well. So it still kind of was the 
whole statistical kind of game thing where you're going five and 11, but I have 1400 yards, 14 touchdowns. You know, the year um, of my rookie, we went three and 13. Um, I, I believe that I was on pace to be a, um, to be a, uh, a thousand yard receiver before I broke my foot, you know, so going through that, you know, and then actually my ACL, the one I tore my ACL was the year that we had the most success, you know, and for me kind of being removed from that, I sit back and I saw, and I, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. And I knew that for me, you know, if I had success as a, as a player, if we had success as a team, that I would be having success personally. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that I would be on a team that would just, you know, have success. And then, you know, I, I kind of would, wouldn't be a part of, it. you know, I think what I bring to the, bring to the game, you know, if we're, if we're winning, you know, then I think that everybody is contributing and me being a receiver and me being able to make the plays that I can make, I think that I'll be a big contributor of that. So what I was saying though, is there is no position, maybe in sports more reliant on their teammates than wide receiver play call has to be for you. The ball has to be snapped, right? The quarterback has to throw it right. All that stuff. And you have been in a situation where your college team goes through sanction. You literally have nothing to play for. You go to a team right away where, I mean, Jacksonville was in rebuilding mode for like four or five years straight. Then you go to Chicago where there's a lot of unsettling and then there's like a new coach and a new system. So do you put it on your, cause like a lot of people like to say, oh, he's a winning player, but you have so little control over that. How do you handle that mentally where it's like, I keep not winning and it's not my fault, but at the same time, I'm on these teams that aren't winning. How do you handle that mentally? Yeah, it was tough. I would say it was a lot more tough in Jacksonville. Um, again, looking back at it and, and, uh, and uh, me, and, me and my buddy, Alan Hearns, I think I can speak for him when I say, you know, uh, early on in our career, we didn't really understand it. We didn't really understand that we were in part of a rebuild, you know. Um, so that's even tough in itself. Because you're a young player, you know, you just went out there and thinking, okay, like, we aren't winning. Why we aren't winning, you know. And then when you look back at it, like my rookie year, we probably had total that year 40 different people start on defense, hmm. you know. So it's like when you look at it, it's like, okay, like it's no way any team can win like that, you know. So um, it was tough at first, but that's the thing. Coming to Chicago, it's been a different – it's been a different mentality, you know, um, just from everything. Like I said before, we've won now 20 games over two seasons, you know, which a lot of teams don't do in general, you know. So – for us, being able to being able to do that, you know, um, and, and again, with everything that happened last season with the injuries and everything like that, I think that our culture is different. You know, I don't think that we've – I didn't think I, – I didn't step into a rebuilding kind of situation. You know, I think perfect timing, you know, when I stepped into Chicago, everything was kind of molding together. Yeah. yeah, it was new, but it was – it was new, but it was molded together. You know, it had it – had, it had some time to, to uh, incubate, you know, before me and Coach Nagy – and some of the other players got here, you know, again, I mean, when I stepped in there, Eddie Jackson was in his second year, you know, Akeem Hicks had been here for a little bit. Khalil what Mack got here. What was the first here. time where, where something happened and you were like, oh, that's how this is supposed to happen? Like that, that kind of shocked you from what you had seen. Um, I think the biggest thing was for me, it was, I think it was game three against Arizona Cardinals my first year here. We were going into, I think into the fourth quarter, we were down 14. And we came back and won that game. Um, but it's one of those situations where I don't think that I had ever been, since I had been in the league, I had never been down 14 going into the fourth quarter and came back and won. 
Yeah, you were. And, you guys were in Jacksonville were the king of being down 14 and like getting a touchdown and then not completing a touchdown on the very last drive, like almost coming back. For sure. 15. So I had never really been a part of that. And we had already won a couple games anyway. And then when I saw we came back on the road, we didn't play well, but we pulled it out. But it just was kind of how everything stayed together. You know, just like the energy on the sideline, you know, the the – you know, Coach Nagy and all the other coaches talking to us, how we came together down the stretch, how we made plays when we needed to, and just kind of how everything came together. And I, and I thought right then, I said, okay, this, this team can win some games. You know, this is a team that can win. You know, when you come back down, you know, when you have a, a quarterback, you know, that's in his first year starting, when you have a new head coach, you have some other pieces, and you come back down 14 going into the fourth on the road, that's big. What did you – when your time spent with Bill O'Brien – and all the stuff that you're hearing out of Houston, does that line up to you? Honestly, for me, it doesn't. You know, I think it's a little bit different because I had him in college, so it's much less of a business in college. You know, um, again, I think he's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's tough to say, like I said before, because I was in college, you know, so it was it was different, you know, um, just kind of how everything goes. You know, there isn't anything on the line. There isn't any pros and cons to a guy's salary and things like mm. that, you know, so it's a it's much different. You know, I think I think when you bring business into it, it changes a lot of different things. I don't think that's for the better or for the worse. It's just how it is. You know how some people always say that for them personally, they don't mix business with pleasure for that reason right there. You know, and I think college is more of a, a pleasure of coaching because of the simple fact that you're not dealing with contracts. You're not dealing with this and that. You're dealing with guys who are coming in who are going to be there for a minimum of three years. Some may go to the league. Some may stay for their fourth year. And Bill, because he's the GM and the coach, is, so you're saying people are more upset with the GM version of Bill, and you never saw that before. You only I dealt never, with Coach I never, Yeah, I only, I only deal with Coach, you know. And, again, I mean, any, any kind of personal things or personal issues, you know, for me, um, I, never really, I never really had that. I never really had that with him, you know. So, um, again, I don't really know, you know, whatever, you know, what, what caused that that uh, may be from or whatever. But, you know, we just kind of didn't have that, you know. And, again, I said before, you know, it was different. You know, that was a – that was an 18-year-old me, you know, and I was a yeah. person who had their first head coaching job at Penn State, you know. So I think it just was a lot – it was a lot different. It was a lot different times. You know, we both were very um, – I'm not going to say uh, for him, I'm not going to say he was young into what he was doing. But, you know, again, that was his first head coaching job, you know. Right. So just kind of how he – how I felt, how he kind of approached things and just kind of where I was at, you know. Um, for him, he knew he had to manage things a little bit different with 18, 19 – you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, and even recruiting dudes at 14-year-old, you know, by being a head coach in college, I think his approach was a lot different. Gotcha. But because it had to be. You, When you were talking about Hearns earlier, I was actually saying to my producer before, I said, I think that duo of Robinson and Hearns was, like, really underrated. Like, I th that combination, you had Marquise Lee there, too, but I thought it was you two guys. And then I look up, and I see that you had two nicknames, according mm -hmm. to Wikipedia. Thunder and Lightning and the Allen Brothers. And I think both of them are so fucking boring that I, I wish that you guys had a different nickname. I like, also, I don't think Thunder and Lightning should be used anymore. I feel like we need to look back and figure out who was Thunder was and Lightning the, yeah. and they're the and only ones. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like for us it's so funny because during that time frame, you know, me and Hearns, let's, if we play, 
Sunday night or if we played before two dudes that we would always watch because they were they were going pretty ham too as a duo was Brandon Marshall and Decker. Mm. Um, that's when they were with the Jets. So and then it was also Crab and Coop. So me and Herms were always kind of watch these duos and try to think, okay, this is what we got to do this, like this game. Or, you know, if they may have had a hundred apiece and three touchdowns total, we got, okay, like this is what, you know, okay, we need, we need 120 apiece or we need four touchdowns between us both, you know? So, you know, that's kind of what, that's what made that whole thing fun was that we really, our goal was to be the best duo in the league, you know, and that's something that we talked about. That's something that we looked at. That's something throughout the course of the week before game day. You know, somebody played on Thursday night or somebody played whenever. You know, we always had that in mind that, you know, we wanted to be able to say that we were the best duo in the league that year. Do you miss that? Um, I, I miss it in the sense that, you know, that's one of my closest friends, you know, so, so playing with him uh, was fun in a sense that, you know, um, we both kind of challenge each other as players, you know, to be the best players that we could be, you know, so, um, but to another standpoint, again, you know, that just was a time period, you know, again, I mean, um, it, it definitely was fun playing with him and I would love to play with him again. But I think that I think it had its time. You know, I think me and him both kind of look at it, you know, and we enjoyed that. You know, um, yeah. we enjoyed that. We still talk about it, you know, and it was a fun period, you know. And then, you know, the rest of it is just kind of both our our journeys and as as players in this league, you know. So um, it's it's one of those things I do miss it. But again, it was a lot of other stuff that came with it around that that I don't miss. I totally get it. I think also that if you guys want to have a show on TNT where you're both like lawyers that put their ears to the street, <laughs> I think if Hearns and Robinson sounds like a new show on TNT. No, people used to always say it sound like um, it sound like a uh, a law firm or something like that. Um, yes, it's also it's also funny that that me and him realized we were getting our passports to go to London that we had the same middle name as well, which is which is pretty which is pretty crazy. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't know if he want me to put his his middle name out there like that. So I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna. Say so that. I have met a number of athletes that won't tell me their middle names, and I don't know why. And so you don't have to tell me, but I'm just. Why is there a thing? My middle name is Matthew. <laughs> why is there a thing with not saying middle names? I don't know, man. It's just like a thing, and it's also funny because some athletes that I've met go by their middle names, mm. and, the, and 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 you'll never know their first name because they may either have initials. Or they go by their middle name, so you don't know their first name. So it's a it's a lot of that around the league. First names, middle names, all of that. And his real name is Clarence. It's probably something like that. No, no, it's not like that. Um the okay, so when I when I hear this, I hear you're a guy that you want to win. Uh, and when it when you weren't in situations where the whole team can come together, you motivated yourself through statistics. And then with Allen, it kind of became a teamwork. And then you get to Chicago and holy crap, we can win. You go to the playoffs and you hang up on my Eagles, 10 for 143 and a touchdown. And so much of that in the fourth quarter where you're fucking roaring back. What was it like for you after all those years of not being able to play for something greater than yourself to go out on that Sunday night and play against the Eagles in that playoff game. What was that atmosphere like for you? It was everything I imagined, everything that I dreamed of, everything. You know, I think um, I actually, uh, I talked to my dad before and after the game, well, he was at the game, but I talked to him prior to the game. I talked to him before, the, I mean, uh, after the game. 
for me, it was one of those things as far as sitting out in Jacksonville and not being able to actually play in the playoffs and seeing it. You know, for me, like, again, I didn't get a chance to play for a Big Ten championship. I didn't get a chance to play for a national championship. I didn't get any of those opportunities. And then to be able to play for a Super Bowl, and then I was injured. You know, so that, that, was, that was really, really tough in itself. But I always knew, you know, when it came time, you know, when it came time to – when it was playoff time for me, I always envisioned, like, my mentality and how my mindset would be. Like, I would say that that week was one of the most locked-in weeks that I had – ever been in in my entire life, you know, and I don't think that it just was, yeah, it was because it was the playoffs, but again, it was a moment that I waited for my entire life. You know, I remember I was telling my dad, I remember getting ready for little league playoff games. I remember getting ready for state playoff games in high school, you know, so to be able to be in the playoffs in the NFL when it's only, what I think, uh, what, 12 teams left, I believe, or something like that. So for me, it was everything that I imagined, like that entire week. I remember, I remember going through, walk through that morning, and I actually had fractured my ribs a couple of weeks before that. Um, I think it was against, it was actually a week before that against San Francisco. So I remember going through, walk through, having like the stem unit on and just where my head was at. And I was so locked in, you know, um, I mean, it was as if I was in the game, you know, and this is, you know, days before, you know, um, so I was ready to go. You know, I just think that that was just for me, it was just a lot of mental prep and a lot of, you know, again, I think the biggest thing for me, like I said, was just sitting through that playoff run in Jacksonville and seeing us and seeing us fall short in the AFC championship and me not playing. You know, I, I think I think that year, you know, if I had if I had played, you know, I think that we think we wow. would have had so a legit you're shot one, to be in the Super Bowl. The one year where Jacksonville made the run, you were hurt. Yep, I was hurt. You know, and I honestly believe because um, that defense again, this was is, so unbelievable. Definitely. And this is not being oh. selfish or anything. I think I think me and just kind of what I brought you know, to my team and to my teammates, you know, I think if I'm healthy that year, I think we have a legit chance. And I think we have a Super Bowl. Do you and like Jalen or like ever like, I'm sure that has to be something that will come up in conversation. I'm sure it will. Um, it's, ne- it's never nothing. Um, I haven't really got a chance to, to like talk to like Jalen um, uh, about just that, you know, I think that what would were be. You thinking, what were you thinking when they kneeled at the end of the first half and wasted all the clock and they're at midfield against the Patriots? What were you thinking? Honestly, my whole thing with that was, and I always look at it, especially because it was Tom Brady. I don't think, it's like Tom Brady, especially in this game, is like the last level of like a video game or a game. Like you, like you have to be. The final boss. You have to beat Brady. You can't beat the clock. You can't, you can't, it's no ducking. It's no dodging. I know the logistics of football and clock management and all that stuff. Like it weighs a little bit different when that dude is not on the sideline, you know? So I think at that point in time, you know, cause all really Jacksonville needed at that point in time, even later in the game was a first down. That's it. If they had Just got the first a first down, down it, it would have been game over. So Miles I think it's Jack a lot of different ways down. that you could have. He wasn't. He wasn't either. You know. So it's a. But that's the thing. It's a lot of different things that you could look at throughout the course of that game. You know, some penalties, the Miles Jack thing. You know, there's a lot of things that actually didn't. That actually didn't go that way. But again, me, me personally, you know, um, I think that um, that that was an opportunity to whereas Jacksonville could have had uh, the Lombardi Trophy in Jacksonville. What's it like to be removed from that franchise? You're continuing your thing and you look back and then after they went up, they went right. And then like they cleared house and, and none of the guys are there. 
Jalen, you, Tevin, Calais. Like, Calais yeah. isn't fucking there. Hearns, like, Boye, uh, Gibson. Uh, like, Dante. Miles Jack right now is the Fresh Prince meme where he walks sure. in and nobody's there. For or sure. Leonard Fournette. Well, I mean, what is it like to see that? Um, It's pretty crazy. You know, um, it's pretty crazy in the sense that you just look back and it's like, wow. You know, and I think that I kind of not was the first, you know, piece of that puzzle to to go. But I kind of was the first piece of that puzzle to go, you know. But I knew for me at that time, you know, um, from talking to the people in Chicago and everything, I knew I knew what was best for my career. You know, um, again, with just, you know, the kind of system that Coach Nagy runs you know, I never forget. I remember the moment, you know, when I came to Chicago, um, it was a surreal feeling from the time you walk into the facility, you know, it's like, wow, you know, they have the Lombardi trophy. They have all the retired numbers. You see, you see, you see Erlacher's number. You see, um, you see a lot of different things in that facility where you're like, wow, like even coming to the city, you know, it's a big city too. You know, so on. Um, Dude, you I went actually, from maybe the smallest market in the NFL <laughs> and that started in the 90s to one of the maybe the original team in the history. Which of the was NFL. actually funny because the 100 year thing, I was joking with somebody and I told them when uh, they had like the uh, anniversary, when the when last offseason, when the Bears were doing their uh, 100 year thing and we had like the uh, at the convention center downtown, it was like a lot of stuff going on. Um, I remember, and I was telling somebody, I was like, yo, I remember in 2015 where Jacksonville were celebrating their 20th anniversary, I think it was. It was 20 or 25. Fred you know, Taylor's and, out there and, and Keenan McCardle. Yeah. yeah. And now to be here and it's like 100, you know, years and just to see all the players come back, you know, from Erlacher, Peanut Tillman, Devin Hester, you know, to see it all um, and you're like, wow. And then also not only that, but to be in a city where you know, they have the Bulls, they have the Blackhawks, they have the Cubs, they have the White Sox, you know. it's Dude, is Chicago right now just going crazy over this Jordan Doc, the last dance? Definitely, definitely. But I think as it should, you know, I think that just in the whole city of Chicago, especially even where kind of the Bulls, you know, franchise and stuff is at, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great for everybody, you know, just to be, just to be reminded of the success that has come through this city. You know, I think that when some teams, you know, in, in, a, in a general sense that when fans aren't, you know, satisfied with what's going on in the organization, you know, they can they can kind of just tend to forget. You know, I think that everybody not has their time, but it's all a process, you know. Like, I mean, Chicago Bulls had an amazing run, the, probably the best run in NBA history. Uh, well, one of Behind the, the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the best yeah. runs in, 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 in NBA history when it just comes to, competing in championships and things like that you know so I mean it's a process I'm sure that the Bulls will get back there you know but again from a Chicago fan base it's like I mean the, the Bulls can you know they can they can kind of flaunt a little bit you know when it comes yes. to you know I think that people can kind of you're a Detroit guy though time. right I am I am a, I am a Detroit guy and I grew so up, what is it like to see Pistons fan. I was gonna say man like we celebrated the bad boys when their doc came out. And now I feel like with this last dance, everybody's like, yeah, Isaiah's an asshole. You know, that's, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. You know, for me, I, I, I wasn't. I know, like too, the bad guys. Too much into the bad boys because I was a little bit before my, uh, before my time as far as me being able to 
acknowledge it. You know, I was more so uh, the Chauncey Billa, Rip Hamilton kind of so uh, uh, error. I was, I was an Iverson Sixers guy, and we had some battles in the Eastern Conference. And For the one sure. player that you guys had, Chauncey was always so clutch, and I hated when he had the ball. I would hate when Tayshawn Prince would go on somebody like an Aaron McKee because he had no chance. But really, I just thought Ben Wallace was like one of the coolest dudes of all time. Like Iverson and Wallace, when they were on the court together, like it was one of the cooler courts that I could ever see. I, I would say that's one of the best overall teams. You know, when it just comes to team that I think that um, I've seen, I would probably say that team, one of the Lakers teams, Spurs, of course, Golden State. You know, but when it just comes to teams, you know, I think that everybody was kind of, well, us in Detroit, you know, when Detroit went to the finals, when they won it, when they beat the Lakers that year, it was like, man, like we have a good team, but it's like, damn, we're running into Kobe and Shaq, you know, but just to kind of see how they handled it, you know, one through eight and to see how everybody produced to win that ring was crazy from Chauncey Billups to Rip, Tayshaun, Rasheed. Ben Wallace, Lindsey Hunter. He was even on the tail end of his was career. Dar- he still, was, no, Darvin he, Ham was on the Bucks. He still was contributing. Uh, Lindsey Hunter, um, I think it was Mike James, Mehmet Okor. Mm. You know, to see the, like, literally that one why, through nine contributed. But that's why the Darko Milicic thing sucked. Because if Carmelo was on the Pistons, that would have they would they could have done that for a decade. Because Me and they my boys have that <sighs> discussion all the time. I told everybody that if Carmelo, we didn't Detroit did not suffer the immediate effect of not drafting Carmelo. They suffered the effect over the last ten years. Yes, from 2010 to 2020, because you have a cornerstone player that you can build around, rather than and all of those door. guys that had to be the stars for Detroit were perfectly positioned to support a guy like that. Chauncey exactly. could have slowed down and been the field general. Rip exactly. would have been like he would have had to move as much. He could have stayed on the outside. And uh, Chauncey and uh, Chauncey and uh, Carmelo played together yeah. in Denver. Chauncey and uh, Carmelo played together, and you could, and you saw them being able to play well together. You know, so one of my buddies doesn't think that you know. Yeah, but you know that, what? That you necessarily would have meshed well. That's the question. Would Would Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace have let Carmelo been the star right away, or would they? Would it have been tough love? This is the thing. I think it would have been tough love from a sense that I think it's more of a respect thing. I think that. When you're stepping into Carmelo was stepping into Denver as the savior. When you're stepping into a team that's already contending for Eastern Conference championships, it's a lot different. You're right. Not to say that that would have even taken away from Carmelo's game. I just think that everybody's approach would have been different. Like I'm already stepping into a championship contending team. Hold on a second. What if Allen Robinson is the Carmelo Anthony of the NBA of the NFL? <laughs> Where you get drafted to Jacksonville, which is like Denver. He then eventually moves on to New York, bigger market. Team has an incredible out-of-nowhere year. They win 50-something games, which in my mind is like 10-11 in the NFL. He has a huge playoff performance. They don't make the run. I just want you to have a better second half. I I feel you. No, I definitely feel that. And hopefully a ring as well. I know Carmelo's still playing. I definitely want to see him. Want to see him get a ring because I think he I think he deserves it for everything that he's brought to the game, you know. But um, definitely I hope I finish. Well, at the end of the day, for me, you know, am able to 
to have a ring, you know, or to have a, a, a real legitimate chance to get one, which again, which is, which is what I think that we're building in, in Chicago, you know? So um, I, I definitely think I'll have the opportunity. With basketball in mind, I have heard uh, Michael Lombardi say this, that you want to build your wide receiving core like a basketball team where you have a quick point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and a center for red zone across the middle, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, without – I. I'm not allowing you to pick anybody in your team, okay? So, because otherwise everybody always picks their teammates. But if you could build the perfect wide receiver starting five with guys in the league right now, how would you stack it up one through five? And I want you to put yourself on the team. So, what oh, for sure, I'm you? on the team. I will. Are be, you the I'll, three or a four or a five? Because you could do a I stretch would five. Probably if you say want. yeah. I would probably say I'm the. Two, I'll probably say I'm the two guard. Whoa. Yeah, I probably would say I would have like a Odell as the point. I would be the two. Uh, Michael Thomas would be at the three. Okay. Um, I probably would say Metcalf. I probably would say Mike Evans at the four and Metcalf at center. You're putting DK Metcalf at the five. Yeah. You already see like that kind of level from him? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean he's a he's a big dude who you know is very athletic, which I think he can always bring a unique kind of standpoint. You know, not like a center, yeah. but kind of like you know thinking like kind of like the the enforcer. You know, being able, being a bigger receiver, being able to make plays down the field. You know, but again, kind of being that enforcer in that in that room. You know, and I think that um you know same with like with like Mike. You know, Mike Evans is a bigger receiver. You know, but he's more of a Kind of like if I would if I would compare him to somebody in the NBA to be like Anthony Davis, now he's a bigger mm-hmm. receiver, but he has small dude skills as well. You know, so he's not just the the big, you know. And I would right, say Mike see. Thomas kind of like the Kawhi yeah. Leonard. You know, he kind of like the Kawhi Leonard of the of the receivers. You know, I think I would go. I'm going to put you at the three. Okay, I'm going to go. Tyreek Hill at the one. I think I would go. I forgot about Tariq. Oh, how did I do that? Actually, 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 I, I'm gonna change it up, man. I'm gonna change it up real quick. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna put myself at the three, too. I'm gonna say, okay. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Tariq at the point, Odell at the two, me at the three, Mike Thomas at the four, Mike Evans at the five. That's a pretty good one. Who did you kick out though? Who was the shooting guard that you, you had your uh, I, I kicked out Metcalf. I kicked out Metcalf. Yeah, that's a good move. I think that's a really solid. So Tyreek, Odell, you, and then Evans, and no, no, no. Who was the four? Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas and Evans is really, really good. Yeah. The ones that I feel like I would try and figure out how to get in there, Julio. Um, I might put Julio at the two over sure. Odell, but For I know sure. it's a little. Uh, and then also like I was Devontae thinking kind of like a- I was thinking kind of like skill set compared to like you know like player skill set compared to like NBA kind of you know that's kind of how I was describing mine. Okay, so then what I'm going to do is I'm putting you at the three. I am putting Tyreek at the one. I'm putting Devonte Adams at the two, and then I I totally understand Thomas Evans. Um, but and I guess Julio's my off the bench drop uh, Jamal Crawford guy. Yeah, you know. 
you you get a, a news alert, a text or whatever that DeAndre Hopkins is going to Arizona. What did you think? I didn't believe it at first. It it was it was one of those things where there was no um there was no smoke. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, they always say where well, there's smoke, there's fire. It was no smoke, it was just fire. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's what was kind of different where it was like I mean, that wasn't a rumor or anything that I heard to be possible. I didn't hear anything like that. So to just see that all of a sudden just happen, I'm like, like, wow, like that's, that's that's pretty crazy. That was wild to me. Um, but oh, so we were just saying all these wide receivers' names, and I thought about what you were saying earlier about the wide receiver class that you came out with, and that's all I heard about this draft class was C.D. Lamb, Jerry Jewy, Hetty Ruggs. It's as good as the class from a few years ago. Um, how much pride do you take in your wide receiver class? And when you heard that about this class, were you like, were you like, come on, man, they're not better than us. Definitely. I take a lot of pride in that, you know, um, in the sense of, I'm not going to say, I think that we had, uh, again, it's, it's easier for me to say, because we have a lot of years invested into the league. We have a lot of guys who have success. You know, I think, Brandon Cooks was the speedster of our class, if you will. And he's just this past year, I believe, was his first year not catching for 1,000 yards. You know, so it's like, I mean, when you put it into perspective, you know, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, that, okay, like this class is just as good, you know. But for me, it's just as easy to say, like, okay, like, I mean, we do have – we do have some guys now who have been. I I think Mike Evans has caught four thousand every year, um, or is like it's like up there, you know. So um, we have a very good class, but I do think that this class has a chance to be really good, especially where some of the receivers got drafted to. I think seeing C.D. Lamb going to like Dallas, you know, being able to play with an established quarterback, being able to play with another receiver alongside of him. You know, I think things like that um, definitely help out a career. You called Dak established, and it's like the debates about him are, are I think it's because he's on the Cowboys. I just feel like guys in the league are like, I would love if Dak was my quarterback. Well, I think it just goes down to um, and me and my boy uh, Hearns always joke about this. You know, it's so hard to potential, and what has been done is two totally different things. You know, people can say what they want about Dak Prescott, but at the end of the day, him playing at a high level, you saw him do that. So people can try to justify what level he has played to, but you can't justify him not playing at a high level. Mm. And, you know, I think that, you know, again, for some people, okay, what's the what's the alternative? You know, I mean, what is the alternative for Dak not being the Prescott? I mean, not being the, the quarterback in Dallas, you know, I mean, the alternative for Dallas would be trying to get a quarterback via free agency or via the draft. Now, what's the odds of him being able to be as good as Dak is? I would probably say pretty low. Andy Dalton is there now. And if Andy Dalton came in instead of Dak, people would say, oh, that's good backup. Yeah, but it's still not as good as Dak. Like, he's not. Yeah, 100%. You know, and like I'm I'm saying before, you know, at the end of the day, it's like – when you look at, you know, just kind of how the draft goes, receiver, running back, whatever position, 
you know, uh, it's tough to replace talent. It's tough to replace guys who are established, who've done it already. You know, no matter if you get two draft picks to do it, whatever the case may be, you know, it's hard to replace that. So when I read that Brandon Cooks started his career with Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and then he went to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and then he went to Sean McVay and Jared Goff, and you think about your journey, is there a small part of you that's like, man, that that didn't fare so well for me as it did for Cooks? Um, no. Uh, you know, again, I just think I think everybody kind of has their own story. You know, and I'm a firm believer of that. You know, I think for me and, you know, kind of just what I bring to the table and everything like that, you know, this is, you know, this is this is my story. You know, again, I mean, I don't know how many people has played with, you know, uh, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, two arguably the best quarterbacks ever. You know, again, I don't think that's a knock against his game or anything like that. You know, I would never yeah. I would never say that. You know, I think that he's a hell of a player, you know. So, again, I mean, I think that's because it's people who have probably been in the same similar situation that haven't had the success that Cooks has had. You know, so I think everybody's just kind of dealt their dealt their own kind of hand. You know, I think sometimes in, in hindsight, you know, guys may look back and be like, dang, you know, but at the end of the day for me, you know, I'm, I'm definitely fully um, – fully into you know my uh, my story is my story and my story is going to be my story for a reason you know i think everything for my story is still being written um we i hope that my audience at 33 percent sees that you alan robinson are already a star and that you have an amazing mindset to complement that as you go on your journey the one thing that me and my uh my producer agreed with is that i fucking hate a rob as a nickname it's just not that interesting, and I think you're deserving of more. And uh, I he came out with three. Can I pitch him to you to see if you yeah, like Yeah, please wait, pitch him to me. Do you like A-Rob? I mean, it's, I've been called that since I was, like, young. So it's, like, always been something. But there's like I actually other did, that... like, I did, like, AR-15. I think that was pretty dope. Do you, what number do you wear? 12. Can you get 15, or is that is that Trubisky? Um, no, no, I mean, I, I could get it. I'll have to pay a lot of money to get it, but who I has 15? Uh, nobody has it, but because I've been in Chicago for two years because of Jersey situations and all that, I have to pretty much buy all the jerseys. So you have all to buy the 12 all jerseys. the 12 jerseys. That's how it works. Yeah. So that's why when Chad Johnson changed his name to Ocho Cinco, it was such a big deal. Cause he had to buy all those jerseys. Potentially. I don't know about name. Because he kept the same number and maybe because of the legal of it being his actually name and not number. Mm. But I know for sure if I were to change, like, so my opportunity would have been going to Chicago to, to get 15 then. Then I wouldn't have had to do it. But now since I've been in 12 for two years, mm. and because I couldn't even put, I, it was a point, I couldn't put uh, Allen Robinson the second on my jerseys in Jacksonville because I would have had to buy all the already Robinson jerseys. So how many, how, what do, what do you think the number would have been? Like millions? When I was in Jacksonville, we talked about putting the two on my name. It would have been a few hundred thousand. Then. And that was pretty early in my career. Right. And you would think now, wow, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, yeah. AR-15 would have been cool. AR-12. Okay. This is the ones he had. Uh, number one, deep dish. You you can say they're bad. It's okay. Okay. I actually like Detroit style pizza. Bro, 
For the last six weeks in quarantine, I have had Detroit-style pizza every Friday night. There's a place around here called Jets. Yes. That that deep That's dish. The one is and insane. only, man. The one and only. Shout out to Jets, man. Shout out to we, Jets. This is what you eat all the time, too. Yeah. Yo, me and my fiance, we call it Jet Pizza Friday, and we just make fun of each other because we're like, wow, we're like the fattest people of all time because we order it, and that's like the happiest we are all week. Wow. I'm I'm glad, man. Just continue to spread the word. Everybody looks at me when I say Detroit-style pizza, and they're like, like Detroit-style pizza is it's pretty awesome. It's, um, it's like what... When people are like, oh, French bread pizza in elementary school is the best. That's what you think they're talking about. I DM'd Jet Pizza four hours ago, and I said, if you ever need a spokesperson, holler at me. I swear to God, me and Alan Robinson are Team Jets, and we will be your spokespeople right now. Definitely. What? Oh, that makes me so happy. The other nicknames he had were Robinson Cross. That's not good. And Alan Wrench. Mm. I shouldn't have read them. I should have read them first before I pitched them to you. I'm sorry. Bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can rock with Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let him, let is him. pretty classic, so. All right, David, defend yourself. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Oh, uh, you know what? And that was very warranted. That was unfair of me to do to David. Uh, but we'll come up with new ones. But Jet Pizza, that's all I want to talk about with you now. Detroit style. It's so fucking good. It's amazing. All right. Uh, thank you for your time, bro. I appreciate it. No problem, um, man. Thanks for having me. What is the best social media handles for uh, people to follow? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My Instagram is uh, Alan Robinson twelve. You can follow me on uh, on uh, Twitter for just um, Alan Robinson. And then I saw that you've been doing some. You've been trying to help people recently. What what is what what matters to you right now that you think you would like to tell us? Yeah. So so my um so my foundation has partnered with uh the Greater Chicago Food Depository to, to, um, and partner with uh, Chicago Public Schools to help raise money to provide uh, food for families in need. Um, $12 provides 20 pounds of food for a family, you know, so initially we were going to just try to get $12,000 and I was matching 12,000, you know, but we definitely surpassed that, you know, so again, appreciate all the support for everybody throughout Chicago and also participating in the all in challenge. I did a uh, Penn state experience, you know, and that raised 17,000. Um, so, you know, just, just, just trying to continue to, to do, you know, any part that I can throughout all this craziness, you know, not, not only are people losing uh, lives with the Corona, but a, a ton of people, millions of people are, are, are losing their jobs as well. Mm. I just realized with the whole Penn State thing. One, that's awesome that you're doing it. Two, I look at the last few years, and if I'm making an offense of you, Chris Godwin, Saquon Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders, I mean, we've we've got ourselves a hell of a Jaseki at tight end. I was gonna say he he came on last year in Miami. That's yeah, and it's supposed to be a couple KJ Hamler. Yeah, it's supposed to be a couple other uh, guys coming out this year as well. Dude, you're the man. Let's do it again. Stay Most safe. definitely, man. Appreciate you having me.